and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 222, When Respect Breeds Respect. So, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, thank you for tuning in. Been doing this podcast now for a few years. Been walking through some of the Old Testament scriptures, Started with the book of Joshua, then the book of Judges, which was really a gnarly time. And the scriptures we talk about today remind me a lot of the book of Judges. We talked about the book of Ruth, and then we've done 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and we are almost finished with the book of 2 Samuel. We're in those waning years of King David of Israel. And then it gets... Well, it gets all over the place after we get past that. But we're in 2 Samuel 21. And King David has been king of Israel probably the total, maybe a little, sometime over 20-something years. And for the other part, about 30 years. I mean, you know, he has long been the king. He's weathered the storm of Absalom trying to take over. Last week we saw a revolt from somebody named Sheba trying to take over the kingdom. And David is David is still on God's throne. And then we come upon this very odd story. And when I read it, you'll understand why I say it's very odd. It's not one that you're just going to be discussing in mixed company every day. It's Usually the heading is David avenges the Gibeonites. So we'll stop right there and go, who in the world are the Gibeonites? So because I am someone who loves the book of Joshua, I knew who the Gibeonites were. I didn't have to go back and think about that. I know who the Gibeonites were. But for those of you who don't talk about them every day, The Gibeonites were those shysters. They were part of the ites that lived in the promised land that decided that, hey, this God of Israel is the real deal. And if we don't want to be wiped off the face of the earth, then we need to come up with a plan because a frontal attack of these Israelite people, it's not going to work. So they came up with this scheme. They brought molded bread, they had haggard clothing, and they were trying to pretend like they were coming from afar off, and they were asking for a treaty. You know, they were trying to make sure that they were going to have this alliance, and it's one of the rare times that we see in the book of Joshua when Joshua and the elders do not inquire of the Lord. They took things at face value, made a treaty, and, well, it was wrong. Like, they had just been duped. But instead of adding insult to injury, they honored the treaty. They realized we should not have done this. God had told us not to make a treaty with anybody in the promised land. They honored the treaty, but Joshua put them to work. He's like, okay, if you 
if we're going to be in this agreement, you're going to work for us. So he, he took advantage of the situation in which they had been taken advantage of. And in that time, there was a commitment that the Gibeonites would always be not only not harmed by the Israelites, but protected by the Israelites. And that did, that did come into play. Joshua 9 is where the story of the Gibeonites, that's where we first meet them. And verse 24 said, they replied, we did it because we, your servants, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you this entire land and to destroy all the people living in it. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. That is why we've done this. And now we are at your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right. So Joshua did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. But that day he made the Gibeonites, the woodcutters and water carriers, for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord. Wherever the Lord would choose to build it, that is what they do to this day. And so Joshua, because they had made a commitment as an Israelite group of leaders, even though they knew that they shouldn't have, they went ahead and followed through. And the Gibeonites were to be not only not hurt by them, but protected by them. And let's fast forward to 2 Samuel 21. And so we're in King David's reign. We don't know exactly what has happened before um, because we've got gaps at this point. We see that David's back on the throne. And then we come to this passage. And I'm going to remind you, as I'm reminding myself for this very moment, there is not one story in scripture that is not of benefit to us, no matter how strange the story may seem. You know, there are some that are more obviously applicable to the world we live in today. But one of the many things I've learned by teaching through the Old Testament, especially on this podcast, is when I come upon a scripture passage that just causes me to shake my head. When I am willing to sit and listen to the Lord, He has given me a perspective on it where we can learn something from it. And this passage today, it's the respect. Respect, respect, respect. That is what I take out of this passage. So here we go. 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. Now, Saul had been dead for about 30 years. So God did not call the Israelites on the carpet immediately for what Saul and members of his family had done to violate this agreement. And I went back, looked to see if I could find a place in scripture that gave more detail about Saul killing the Gibeonites, but it's not there. It, not only did I not find it, but when I was reading in one of the commentaries that I used, they said, it doesn't show that we only learn in this part. So here's verse two. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel 
but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then? David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. Then they replied, It was Saul who planned to destroy us, to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who we talked about just a few weeks ago, who was Saul's grandson because of the oath David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, Armani and Mephibosheth, whose mother was Rizpah, daughter of Ai. He also gave them the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merab, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillai, from Mahola. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord, so all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. And here's the part that gets me every time. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ai, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the night and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabesh-Gilead stole their bodies from the public square at Bethshon, where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men of the Gibe- that Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Gish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. And after that, God ended the famine in the land. It's it's one of those, one of many, just sad stories in scripture where we see the actions of one or two that end up leading to the deaths of others. Did the Lord require the sacrifice of the seven of Saul's sons? The text does not say it. All that God is telling David is the reason I am holding back my blessing of rain from you is because Saul and his family did not honor our commitment to the Gibeonites and I'm not pleased because God is a covenant keeper and the fact that Saul representing Israel had not kept the covenant with the Gibeonites he wanted David to make it right you don't in this case see David asking God specifically if what the Gibeonites are requesting is what he should do. There are many things in scripture that this side of heaven, we're not going to know. All we know is David 
as the leader, the earthly leader of Israel, thought this, thought that honoring what the Gibeonites requested was going to settle the dispute once and for all. We can't answer that question, but what we can answer is the impact that Rizpah, somebody that you and I probably have not heard about, the impact she had on David. You know, I named this when respect breeds respect. And Rizpah was a lady whose respectful actions changed the heart of the king. So you might be as confused as I am as to why in the world her son's bodies and the bodies of her nephews were not buried immediately. Because the text does not tell you that. In the commentary I use, the majority of the time that's by Warren Wearsby, his thoughts are that the reason that they were not buried immediately was that David left them out until the rains came. Remember, there had been a famine in the land for three years, and that's the reason the discussion had come up between David and God, and that David left their bodies until the rains came. But it's just this picture. As I read back over this, like if your heart does not break for this woman, and if you are not moved, you know, we read these scriptures and so often, either they're ones that we've heard so many times that we really don't let them sink in, or the whole idea is so foreign to us that we don't allow the picture to play out in front of us and to impact us the way that scripture should be doing. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ai, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. Can you just imagine this woman? If Saul has been dead for 30 years, Rizpah is not a spring chicken to say the least. But she is out there defending the bodies of her sons as well as the others until they've received the proper burial. And I cannot, I cannot read that. You can hear it in my voice. And if you go back and listen when I read it the first time, you will hear that my voice hesitates. Because I do not take her sacrifice lightly. I just can't even imagine how heartbroken this lady was. But in the midst of that heartbreak, she did what most mamas would do. She made sure that even in death, 
the bodies of her sons were respected and or not harmed. And then verse 11 says, when David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. I mean, the conversation about Saul and Jonathan had not come up recently in Scripture. And that's one of the reasons I, I think this story impacts me so much is not only did her actions impact David so that her sons and the other sons of Saul received a proper burial, but this not only is when respect breeds respect, it's when respect breeds even greater respect because David was motivated to go above and beyond. And it is kind of surprising, I'll admit, that David had not retrieved the bones, especially of Jonathan, before this time, that he had not done that. But we have all had situations in our life where we're rocking along, doing our thing, and all of a sudden we think of something that we realize, why didn't I think of that a long time ago? That should have already been done. And that's what it reminds me of, that in the midst of this, when David is seeing this happen, he's thinking so much about the family of Saul because that Saul made the bad choice again. But at this point, David's not angry at him. He's just reflecting on the family of Saul, and then it dawns on him not only do we have these bodies that are lying out here that I want to make sure receive a proper burial if not in due time, eventually, but the bodies of Saul and Jonathan were never appropriately cared for. And I just, uh, I just am always just so moved by this unique story. And it causes me to think When was a time when you have seen respect breed respect? I don't know when you might be listening to this podcast, but I'm recording it in early June of 2023. And if I were to poll the audience in this world that we live in and ask for buzzwords that fit the climate of our day. Instead of the word respect, it would be disrespect that would be what is seen more often. And that saddens me. And yet, I can't change the attitudes and actions of the entire world. But what I can do is I can be like Rizpah and I can show proper respect. 
And I can trust that there may be a David that will be encouraged or convicted to then show respect. What would it be like? Like, how would the world be different if we had a domino effect of respect? Where the next generation would model respect because of what they see in you and in me. Now, I want you to think about when was a time you've seen respect breed respect. It may be in a small way. It may be in a huge way. I would love for you to tell us about it. Jump into the Facebook group or to comment on one of the social media accounts that we have or to send me an email at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. We're going to kind of close out with these verses from 1 Peter 2, 15 through 17. And, and Peter, being, you know, Jesus' right-hand man the majority of the time, he saw disrespect to his Lord and Savior, and he also saw respect. He saw disrespect to himself and to the other disciples. Absolutely. And these are some of his words. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. And you've got to remember, you know, we live in an era where respect for those in governmental leadership is almost non-existent if the person that's in leadership is not of your particular political party. But I don't see anywhere in this passage or in scripture that it says respect the leadership only if it's who you voted for. That does not mean that we agree with all the decisions that all leaders do. Neither did Peter. You've got to remember the incredibly difficult time that Peter and the disciples were living through and or being martyred through. They were dealing with some of the worst leaders in the world. They were dealing with persecution. But we work toward godly leadership, but we still provide respect 
and it's not in this particular scripture, but we are to pray for those in leadership. That is a way of respect. And as I, I sit here, you know, I think about many political leaders that are not my favorites, not even close, but it is still my godly duty to show respect and to pray for them and to fight for what is right. Honoring God, showing respect to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. That's our first line of respect. But as we respect the Lord, doesn't it make total sense that we will respect others? And as we respect others, even if they do not act respectable, How might God change the world? How might God influence others to show respect? And in the midst of that respect, possibly open doors to the sharing of the gospel message. I can pretty much bet you, if you show disrespect to others, you have slammed the door to the gospel. So as Rizpah showed respect to her sons and the others who were killed, and David was moved by what he heard and the influence that she had, may you and I be the Rizpahs. May we show respect, no matter what the challenges may be, and may we trust God with how he uses that to impact others. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's a bunch of information down below, even the QR code to all of the podcasts. Uh, they are all housed at podbean.com. And I just want to close out and just remind you, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.